Hey everybody, we are heading back into the field for the summer to collect more amazing stories about animals and wild places and the people who protect them. I'll be in the Norwegian archipelago of Svalbard looking for polar bears and going up to Alaska to tell the amazing story of grizzlies. What can I say? I'm a bear guy. (laughs) I'd love to hear more from you about this season though, what you liked, what you didn't, who you are and the stories you want to hear in our next season. Please fill out the survey in the show notes, or you can head over to KUOW.org slash the wild. And if you do, we'll enter you into a drawing for one of 20 wild posters signed by me. But we won't be going away entirely. We'll still be posting the occasional dispatch from the wild and updates about season two. So do keep an eye on this podcast feed. Now, on to our episode. The beginning of this episode is from my office. Not very wild, but I'll explain why. I'm in my office to try an experiment, uh, an experiment about silence. As you can hear, my office is pretty quiet. A lot of the time though, we go to nature to find silence, to find solace. But what is silence really? You might think you're in a quiet place, but it's really hard to find complete natural silence these days. Here's where the experiment comes in. So just take a moment and just be really quiet. I'm gonna shut up in a second, but get ready to tune into any sounds around you. Close your eyes if it helps and focus in on the sounds you might not normally hear. I'll give you 10 seconds starting now. I could hear cars, oh, that's a text. I could hear cars, a truck reversing, a kind of a a deep rumble, not sure what that was, a gull in the distance, wow, a little bit of nature, and even the faint hum of my laptop, but it's not silence, that's for sure. And you can't really go anywhere without hearing the sound of humans. Even in the wild, I find it's getting harder. So today, we're searching for silence. And I'm joining a couple of guys who've made it their mission to find it. The journey might make you start looking at those goofy things on the side of your head a little differently. From KUOW in Seattle, I'm Chris Morgan. Welcome to the wild. I left my home in Bellingham, Washington this morning, jumped on my motorcycle and headed off down the busy highway, took a ferry to Port Townsend to get to this meeting. Up the creaky creaky steps. And now I'm in this old building. I'm here to meet a man named Gordon Hempton. Seems fitting that uh, Gordon Gordon's office is at the top of a set of squeaky floorboard steps. It's fitting, because Gordon is a man obsessed with silence. The card on his office door says the sound tracker. As soon as I meet him, I know we're going to get along. Hello, Hello. Hey. <laughs> That's a warm hey, welcome. You look like a mountain man. I'm Chris. Chris. Gordon, yeah, nice to are. meet you. He's surprisingly larger than life for a fella who likes a little peace and quiet. Gordon calls himself the sound tracker 
because he's made a career out of recording the sounds of nature. For four decades, he searched out the quietest locations on Earth to record them without any noise pollution. And in the world we live in today, finding a place without human-made noise, that takes a lot of persistence. Today it would take four or five weeks of search right now to locate a new quiet place to record, of which, if done correctly, um, it would then take maybe three or four days to record. And after um, those three to four days of recording, if I came out with 15 minutes of pure nature, that would be a gold mine. That's a pack of coyotes, one of Gordon's favorite recordings. Film productions and even video game companies then buy recordings from Gordon. That's the practical side of his life. We've all got to pay the bills. But recording nature and finding silence is much more than just a way to make money for him. His passion is listening, really listening. In fact, Gordon believes that listening is fundamental to the survival of all animal life on Earth. Every animal species has the ability to hear. Not every animal species has the ability to see. That is a defining sense. We have eyelids. Eyes are an affordable luxury that, when you've seen enough, either turn away or close your eyes. Gordon preaches the benefits of quiet, noise-free locations. We need quiet places to fall back in love with Earth. But Gordon wasn't always into listening. He told me he was called to this passion on his way to start grad school. He was driving across the country when he started to get sleepy. As a young student, he wasn't about to pay for a hotel, so he just threw his sleeping bag out in a field. A thunderstorm rolled over me, and uh, I just, for some reason, listened to it completely for the first time. And then I didn't move. I just listened and heard the echoes and I heard the whole valley and the clouds and everything revealed to me. And then when it was over, I only had one question is, how, how could I be 27 years old and have never listened before? Gordon dropped out of school and started working as a bike messenger in Seattle. He'd make trips out to the forest and mountains to, to record, and slowly he built up his reputation and his career. He's now travelled the world recording sound. He even won an Emmy for his work. Now Gordon is in his 60s, and he's become an advocate for quiet places. You know, it was a job made for me, and I was made for it except for the fact that um, I've been losing my hearing pretty steadily. And how has that felt? Uh, just give me a moment. Complicated. It's hard to breathe. Um, because there's so so much history, not only in just the shock of losing my hearing, but all the changes of life. 
also, Chris, there's immense love and gratitude um, because I would probably still be uh, working alone today if I didn't lose my hearing. It amazes me how people can see a silver lining sometimes. This silver lining came in the form of a tall, energetic 24-year-old named Matt. Matt Mickelson. Matt was an audio engineering student in upstate New York when a friend told him about Gordon's work, and he was instantly curious, so Matt decided to send Gordon an email. And I said, hey, what you do sounds really cool. I'd love to hear more about it. And he responded. Gordon went out on a limb and invited Matt out to Washington State to meet. And now they've been working together for six years as partners in this work. Matt has long hair and a beard. They give him kind of a Viking look. It's easy to see how Gordon fell for his energy. But it goes way beyond that. Gordon refers to Matt as his hearing aid. Matt can hear a lot of the high frequency sounds that Gordon can't anymore. What did you say a few weeks ago? You said that you're hearing impaired and I'm listening impaired. Exactly. And so together we make a really great team. No, together we make a whole person, Matt. <laughs> yes, a whole person. Okay, <laughs> yes. Not a good team. Just one person. A beautiful pairing, i got to say. It's just, yeah, and in person it's lovely to see. There's such great energy. It's like a father and son relationship between these two and Gordon is preparing Matt to continue his work. I've passed the baton, and now I'm behind Matt, pushing his back the best I can so he can keep up the speed I've been trying to carry. And I'm currently fumbling the baton, and it's up in the air, and I'm trying to recatch it again, and you're behind me just keeping it. You know, I can't even forward. see. All I see is your back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just still pushing. Yep. Mm -hmm. You are indeed. Matt is going to be my guide for the next few days on my trip into the wilderness. My guide to find silence. We're headed to a place Gordon named One Square Inch of Silence. It's in the Ho Rainforest, an Olympic National Park in western Washington state. A place where sea meets mountains meets forest. But before we leave the town of Port Townsend, Gordon has some parting words. He tells me that I can learn things from the silence. Silence definitely is the think tank of the soul. It takes us to a very deep place in our lives, but now we don't need to answer silence. We can just be with silence. Spend some time with silence and you can carry on a conversation with it. noise is about humans getting from A to B. Transportation. We're a loud species. And Gordon and Matt have rules for what qualifies as a quiet place. The place has to be free of noise for 15 minutes. And that 15 minute window has to occur in a certain period of time. That period starts one hour before sunrise and ends two hours after sunset. Fifteen minutes of silence over the course of a whole day doesn't sound that hard to find. But there are only about a dozen places in the lower 48 that meet that standard. 
Um, it's very uncommon to find places that are far away from roads. Like even more than a quarter mile away from a road is is really special. Um, and like the places that we're going in one square inch of silence is um, the road that leads to it is 20 miles long, kind of off the highway. And then we're going to hike three to five miles in. So we're going to be miles away from the nearest road, which is really a unique perspective. So then we're cutting out road noise. And the only thing we have to worry about is air traffic. So we'll hear some air traffic, but we won't hear any road noise, which is really amazing. Our destination, one square inch of silence. That might sound strange, kind of small, but that's part of Gordon's strategy. In order to keep this one square inch silent, you really have to keep noise pollution away for miles in all directions. So if you preserve this one square inch, you're actually creating a much bigger area of silence, all all radiating from this one spot. I'm anxious to get to the forest, but Matt wants me to hear something else first. All right, let's go. It takes me to the beach. Rialto Beach. It's stunning. It stretches for miles. It's a pretty wild scene jumbled with giant logs that have been thrashed by the waves. Matt starts setting up a crazy-looking microphone. And so you can see, as I pull back the cover here, there's eight microphones in this array. He sets it up on a tripod on the beach. Okay, tell me what I'm gonna, tell me what's happening here. Yeah, so essentially I just want you to be able to listen to how sensitive this microphone is. He's also got one of those fluffy wind coverings on it, so it looks like a giant skunk or something. And then he hands me the headphones. Mm -hmm. So here you go. And if it's too loud or anything, let me know. Can I wait for a wave? Absolutely, hey, (laughs) listen for a while. My God, that's awesome. Our brains do an amazing job of like masking different sounds and kind of affecting our hearing. And so when you start listening to a microphone, through a microphone, when you start listening to nature sounds, the experience becomes totally different because you cut out the equation of your brain masking information. So you start picking up on things that you really don't usually hear. Wow, it's almost like you've never heard a wave before. That's exactly how I feel. And that that feeling doesn't go away. You know, for me, every time I start to listen through a microphone, I feel like I've never heard that sound before. I'm listening to this right now. It is so incredibly noisy. But it's beautiful noise, right? So how do you define the difference between somewhere that's quiet and somewhere that's noisy in terms of your work, the natural sound versus human sound? What's the... Because, I mean, some people might think that we're trying to go and find silence, and it's definitely not silent here. Yeah. What's the difference? Yeah, so we talk about natural silence. We're going to talk about natural silence a lot. And natural silence doesn't mean quiet. Quiet and natural silence are two different things. Natural silence means the lack of noise pollution. Um, whereas when you talk about quiet or silence, we're talking about a lack of sound. Um, and when you say it's so noisy, it's, 
it's so loud is kind loud. of what you mean. It's a you whole know? vocabulary you've got to be careful yeah. with. Yeah. yeah, because it becomes very confusing very quickly when you're talking with people. But sound and noise, for me the difference is that noise is undesirable. Sound is desirable. We leave the beach behind. It's time to continue on. It's time to head into the rainforest to prepare for our day tomorrow. We're settled at camp, just inside the national park. The tents are set up now, and we're right by this beautiful creek, and there's some smaller mountains all around with deep green forest, and every mile is getting kind of quieter getting closer to the silence that we're looking for so we're going to go in even deeper tomorrow on foot and I can't wait um great so here we are at the entrance to the Ho River Trail um birds are just waking up what time is it now 6 16 AM. Yep. Just starting to come alive in this last five, six minutes. Yep. I yeah. can't wait to get in there. We head off down the trail, and the bird song just comes alive. And somehow it sounds different. I'm really like you can hear how lively all the bird song is right now. They have a lot to say. It's like their first communication of the day. They're just waking up. And so even if you don't know exactly what species of bird it is or exactly what the call is, it has this energy to it that we don't get at any other time other than dawn. The whole rainforest is an otherworldly place. Deep green moss hangs off the branches of the trees that grow out at odd angles. The forest looks like something out of a Dr. Seuss book. It's easy to pitch a Sasquatch when you're in a forest like this. <laughs> Especially when I look so much like Sasquatch. Just then, a tiny wren flies down and lands on a branch about three feet away from us and just lets it all out. If you took like a three-year-old's fist and balled it up, that's about the size of this bird. So small. I read once that pound for pound these guys belt out a song that is ten times louder than a rooster for their size. Pretty impressive. Its surroundings make this tiny bird with a big voice even more impressive. Giant Sitka spruce trees that are over 800 years old and seven feet thick. Succulent ferns and huge big leaf maples. Picture yourself walking into Jurassic Park. The place is just dripping with prehistoric life. These ferns and trees are found in fossils, the same fossils as dinosaurs. But even this deep in the forest, we still aren't clear of human-made noise. Underneath the singing birds and drizzle of rain, we can still hear a hum coming from the visitor centre half a mile away. So we're out of sight of the visitor centre, but you can still hear that hum if you listen very faintly. 
So that'll kind of gauge our distance from the last noise pollution that enters this place that's kind of permanently here. So let's get away from it. As the birds sing over the hum of the human noise behind us, it makes me think about the impact that noise must have on them and all wildlife. As we walk down the trail, we hear something. Oh, did you hear that? Was it spruce grouse? Yeah, I think so. Grouse have a very low, deep call. That low human hum from the visitor center probably affects the spruce grouse more than any other bird we've heard. Every bird species communicates on its own frequency. Think about it like tuning your radio into a particular station. Different bird species have different frequencies, so they don't have to compete for the airwaves to be heard. So for species like the grouse, it's really advantageous for them because none of the other birds want to be singing that low. So the grouse just has all that clear room, but that's also why the grouse is so subject to, you know, issues from noise pollution. So that hum from the visitor center can really cause a bit of a headache for the grouse. With the birds as our soundtrack, we push deeper into silent country, but we aren't making it anywhere very quickly. Turns out listening to all this cool stuff can take some time. Yeah, so we've gone 0.9 miles in about an hour and 15 minutes which just tells you how, what our pace is. And it's not a bad thing. I think, if anything, it's a good thing. Um, but maybe we'll pick it up, like, just a little bit. <laughs> it is actually hard for me to go this slow. I'm used to just getting to my destination, but I'm really enjoying this. Being here with Matt in the forest, it's, it's forcing me to slow down. And I almost feel like if I was blindfolded, it wouldn't matter. Because today isn't about what I can see, it's about being acutely aware of every single little sound. Another hour goes by and we haven't heard a single human noise since the hum of the visitor center faded away. I can finally hear myself breathe. And this weird kind of transition from one world to another starts to happen. We come around a slow bend in the trail and Matt stops and kind of gestures at something with this proud smile. In front of us, about 20 yards away, is a big tree whose trunk makes a hole like a, a big pair of bow legs. Wow. Yeah. What an entryway. It really is. Where do you go in? Where do you through, think you go through in? Through that? No. It's like too good to be true. Oh my God, that is magic. <laughs> yeah. He points to the hole in the tree. This is the entrance. The entrance to one square inch of silence. First, I think it's worth acknowledging that we're on the ancestral land of the Ho tribe. Um, and they've used this area for as long as we have record of um, to gather and to hunt, to fish salmon. Um, and they've been amazing stewards of the land. Before we step through the magic portal, Matt tells us the most important rule. No talking. And feel free to do like whatever feels good. If you want to lay down, close your eyes. If you want to sit on a log, if you want to stand, whatever you feel like doing. Um, obviously we should make sure our cell phones are silenced. We don't have like beeping stuff. We take off our packs and Matt steps through the tree. 
I follow behind him, big smile on my face. I can't quite believe I've been sucked into this. I feel like a giddy eight-year-old stepping into Narnia. I come out the other side of the tree and step carefully around twigs and branches so I don't make a noise. And two or three minutes later, we arrive. Silence. I settle in, sitting on the moss where I can lean against a huge old tree that's lying on the ground. It looks like it's been there a thousand years. I'm completely in the mode now. I I clear my mind and I pretend that I'm here in this very spot ten thousand years ago. And I'm gone. For the next hour I tune into every living sound. to the trail makes me really aware that I'm I'm now on a return journey leaving this silent place that nature has preserved and it seemed right to leave to leave it to the birds and other wildlife I step back through the tree see us down the trail a little ways. The first words are always the hardest when you come out of a place like that. And I've always noticed that it's so hard to then kind of break that silence and come out of that place. It really seems like Chris came out very overwhelmed and not necessarily in a bad way. I mean, we'll find out more. Um, but it's not uncommon for that to be the reaction, where it's like, I can't really talk right now. I just need to sit with this. And um, Yeah, it's really powerful. She would have. My mom would have loved this place, like all of us. The silence of the wild is is something perhaps we all need once in a while. And I think like we as humans evolved to be in quiet and in nature and, you know, being in a place like this, like to me it feels like home, you know. I get the same feeling when like I return home and like hug my mom and dad or it's like just that total yeah just that total contentness you know 
like nothing is really wrong in a way you know or the things that are wrong are they're okay they're solvable everything is okay everything is okay nature's way of reminding us that maybe silence is the think tank of the soul We made an amazing video of our search for silence with Gordon and Matt, and you can find it on our website, kuow.org slash thewild. Matt and Gordon also have an organization dedicated to preserving natural silence. It's called Quiet Parks International. You can learn more about it at quietparks.org. The Wild is inspired not just by nature, but by people who work in it, love it, protect it. There's a ton of information on the website if you want to find out more. This is our last episode of Season 1, but keep checking this feed. We'll occasionally be putting out content as we all wait for Season 2. The Wild is a production of KUOW in Seattle, in partnership with my work at Chris Morgan Wildlife. Our producer is Matt Martin. Jim Gates is our editor. Brendan Sweeney is our managing producer. Our fact-checker is April Craig. We had engineering help from Dave Brown. Our theme music is by Michael Parker. I'm your host, Chris Morgan. Thank you for listening, and thank you to the amazing Wild team. And get outside into the wild if you can. We'll see you soon.